From the Thinking Out Loud studios, it's the Thinking Out Loud podcast with Kevin and Kyle, the podcast that exists to help you navigate the culture of today from a biblical perspective and to help you grow in your relationship with God. God has commissioned and called you to be a light in this culture. The only way you can do that is to know the truth. No matter what circumstance you're facing, no matter what season of life that you're in, if you truly want to find success in that season, you're going to have to go back to the simple question of what does God say about me in this moment? There's no shortage of information in this culture, but there is a shortage of truth. Welcome back to the Thinking Out Loud podcast. My name is Kevin Wilson. And I am Kyle. And as always, we are excited to have you guys back on the show with us today. Before we get into our topic, I just want to give you a little bit of background of my life the last couple of months. Brooke and I have officially announced that uh, we are expecting another child. If you know me at all, yeah, if you know me at all, you know that I have a house full of women. That includes pets and imaginary friends. It literally <laughs> it literally is my wife, my two daughters, and my two female dogs. And so, not that I don't want a girl because I would I love the fact that I'm having another child. Oh yeah. But I would genuinely love a boy this time. Like <laughs> just Kyle and the girls has a great ring to it, but Kyle having a boy has a great ring to it too. So, Anyway, we are expecting due sometime in August. However, there's always this trend that happens when my wife and I get pregnant and she gains weight because she's growing a baby. Mm-hmm. I gain weight because I'm eating for two. So uh, <laughs> like, like I just have these random like just appetites. And so recently I've been like, I'm trying to get ahead of it. I'm like, I'm going on a diet. I'm eating chicken and broccoli for the next nine months. I'm going to be the shredded dad when this baby's born. And it works, man. I don't, I eat like at noon. I'm like, I'll tell myself to stop eating at eight. And then 10 o'clock rolls around, Kev. And I'm watching ESPN and I just start craving food. And so it got mm. me thinking because. You must be watching the Lions if you're craving food. No, craving kneecaps. Do you hear the coach right. talk? <laughs> He's like, we get knocked down, I'm going to take a bite out of his kneecap. <laughs> oh, anyway. <laughs> but what happens to me is I make these weird food combinations. And so. What I usually do is I'll just like eat Oreos and milk. Like that's a go-to snack. Cheez-Its, they're a go-to snack. Well, the other night I was like, I was really craving Oreos and milk. And so I poured a bowl of milk. I pulled, actually what I did is I poured Oreos in the bowl and then I poured the milk in it and ate it like cereal. And I didn't, I wasn't happy with round one. So I did round two. And when I say Oreos, I mean the entire sleeve. So like you open up the box of Oreos. A hundred percent. There's no three or four. No. You're just going to, you're mad at yourself after that. So (laughs) I I take the entire sleeve out, put it in a Tupperware bowl because that's the only place it fits, pour some milk over it and eat it. You got to eat it kind of fast because they dissolve quickly. So I was like, all right, I got to, I got to mix something in here so that that doesn't happen. So I went on tangent and for my second bowl, I put another sleeve of Oreos in, but this time I put Cheerios, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And some weird oats, honey and oats cereal in there to kind of help with the texture. Phenomenal. Phenomenal Mm. midnight snack. And it's going to give me diabetes, but phenomenal (laughs) midnight snack. So listen, Kevin, it got me thinking about other concoctions that I do on a daily basis or that I make on a daily basis that, that maybe I don't really think that I normally do. Things like 
I usually don't like fruit and chocolate, right? Like it's mm. got to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. I will hammer down some cottage cheese with fruit on it. Like, oh, yeah, for sure. Cottage cheese alone is good. Fruit is good. But cottage cheese and fruit together, I'm hammering it down. But then I started thinking, and I'm wondering about some of these other concoctions. And so I did a little research, and I'm going to give you two. And I'm going to ask you if you would eat these or not, okay? Okay. And listeners, folks, if you're out there, like, and you do any of these two combinations, we've got issues. Just know it. On site, me and you have issues, okay? So <laughs> no, just, I'm just kidding. So the first one's probably the nastiest thing I've ever heard. So I was listening to 97 on the ticket. And they were talking about this conversation. One of the guys says that he has a friend that will eat tuna fish in his cottage cheese. Tuna no. fish in his cottage cheese, bro. Oh, my goodness. That's I'm disgusting. Sla- I will slap somebody with their cottage cheese and tuna if they eat that around me. Like, that's disrespectful. Don't right? do it. Um, there was another one. It was sardines with hot sauce, mustard, and ketchup. You, dude, you lost me at sardines. Like, who... <laughs> Who eats like like you? Here's the thing: you're a very special person if you eat sardines. Like, that is. Do you eat sardines, Kyle? I don't think I've ever touched them. That is just the stigma around them has made me not like them. I I don't know. I feel like sardines might be that pineapple on pizza unicorn thing. Like I didn't like it until I tried it. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I was just like, oh, it's so gross. So so they're telling me so gross, and then my sister-in-law, she's like, try it tried it i was like that's not that bad i know i wouldn't prefer it but it's not that bad and i feel like sardines in the right place i might be like man that's not that bad no no (laughs) okay let me give you one that i think might gross you out again too you like saltine crackers yeah do you like saltine crackers in a bowl of cereal or in in a bowl of milk that's disgusting eating it like cereal that's nasty never real all right, so the last combination, I, I know I said I'd give you two, but like, at all, like all pastors, I went three points beyond my third point. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, this one, this one, I, I can see myself eating. I think it's like Spanish-style corn on the cob, and they put mayo on the corn instead of the butter. They put mayo on it. Hmm. I, that might be the one where I'm like, I like mayo. I like corn. I may not be mad about this one. Yeah, I think I would try that. I love corn, even though I'm allergic to it now. And I love... Oh, no way. I know, man. I am allergic to everything that's good, man. We are going to get a running list. Every time you bring up something you're allergic to, we're going to add it to that list. (laughs) Yeah, man. I So, yeah, I I love corn and I love mayo. Like, if, if I'm having a burger... I'm asking for extra mayo. If I'm having a sandwich, I'm asking for extra. I love mayo. So... Yeah, I yeah, that is something I would eat. Mayo to me, like I'm weird. So like fast food places, if I could have like all the fast food places become one, like I would take the burgers from make no the burgers from Wendy's, but the mayo from Burger King. (sighs) Burger King mayonnaise, it just slaps different, man. It It, just it it does. (laughs) I will like like I will. They need to overload my original chicken sandwich with that mayo. They need to. Because whatever's in it, it ain't even mayo. I know it's not mayo. It's like, it's so far beyond what other mayos are. I'm just like, this cannot be mayo. Hey, you, you, you're making it sound like it's Chick-fil-A sauce. Chick-fil-A sauce is, like, it's, I, it I'm is buying not that, it. It what? is not that good. 
Oh. Man. We're going to literally fight. Like, fight. Dude. I'm just, I'm just kidding. It's, I just wanted to say, it is oh, good. It, oh, it okay, is good. good. All right. See, he's a, but here's something I eat. So here's something I eat that, and, and maybe this is not really crazy, but I like to have bread with my applplesauce. No, that, Kev, man. Is that, is that a thing? That's, That's just way, the thing. It's on different spectrums of food. Food it's, and app, bread and applesauce? Hey, dude, you have to try. I just had it the are other you, day. Oh, are you talking apple butter? Or are you talking no, apple? No, not like apple. Ap- oh, my gosh. Apple, apple butter is so good. Oh, my goodness. I don't know, dude. No, applesauce. Like, so when, when I was growing up, my brother actually used to take bread, and he would take a, a, like a, like a, just a piece of bread. He would roll it up in his hand, roll it into balls, and would literally put it in his al- applesauce. And eat no, it that way. No. Oh yes, it is so. Literally, just had it the other morning, like two mornings is ago. Is it really that good? Oh, it's so good. Like, Does it got um, like a cinnamon taste to it and everything? Yeah. Well, this. Yep. The the, the right. applesauce that I had the other day, it was a cinnamon applesauce. So, and that's my favorite. I so, I, can, I guess I can see that a little more now. I was thinking just like straight applesauce, just on a, on like soft dough. I was just like, mm, <laughs> I don't know if I can get with that. But, but, but come 10 o'clock tonight, after I've fasted all day to try to lose weight, I may just say, yeah, that, that Mott's applesauce in there is going to have to go on that wheat bread. And I'm going <laughs> to have to try Free advertising for Mott's. Uh, so, so listen, if, if, if you guys are out there, just pray for me. I'm trying not to gain weight during this pregnancy. <laughs> you know what's bad when I gain weight and my wife can gain weight and lose it in nine months faster than I can even gain it. And then I'm sitting there, I'm at 240, and she's back down to her original weight after she pops a baby out. So I'd love not to get there, but uh, it's going to have to start with not doing these weird concoctions in the middle of the night. Hey, don't let, so this, let's, guy, uh, <laughs> don't let this guy fool you. Fool you. He, he, he's in the gym. He's, you know, he's, he's, yeah. he's popping pec muscles, blowing yeah. them out left and right. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's in the gym and he's getting old at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Oh. All right, guys, let's let's do this. Let's get on with this conversation today. Listen, anytime we have a topic, we want to make sure every now and then we give you the reality of who Kevin and I are. And sometimes when we're not recording, we have these conversations. Man, it's just it's fun. It's a friendship that yeah. we have we've had before the show, but we're just building it, and it's it's been an honor. So today, uh, a little different of a topic. Usually, uh, Kevin and I are debating back and forth with culture on a topic and not that we don't agree on everything but we try to give both sides of the argument we try to we try to give that perspective however there are going to be some times where we just want to talk with you we just want Mm -hmm. to talk to you about topics that we see maybe becoming a growing concern whether it has to be in the church outside the church we as you guys know, we are a Christian podcast, and so we love to give the worldview of things, but we love to wrap it around in what God says about each topic. And as we started this year in our youth ministry, Kev, we just, you know, we really wanted to get our students to go beyond the familiar in their relationship with Jesus. And mm-hmm. so, and you may be someone that's listening that's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a full-fledged Christian, I'm, I'm following Jesus, and you may be someone that's like, no, I don't really believe and I don't follow, but I love your guys' banter and I love what you guys talk about, so I love to hear it. 
I would love for you just to hear us out on this topic. And it, and it may help your relationship with Jesus because I think at times we make it a little too hard and too difficult. And in the process, we, cho- we choose to stay way too surface with really who our creator is. And so today I want to discuss the topic called Jesus culture. And the reason that we want to discuss this is because I think we're starting to see uh, that in the process of trying to make Jesus relevant, I think we've forgotten that he was already relevant. And I want to kind of debrief you guys on this comment. I've been caught as a pastor saying, well, my heart is to make Jesus relevant for all teenagers. Mm-hmm. What does that even mean? Like, why would I say something like that? Like, Jesus is the author of our lives, right? So he's already been relevant. But what I'm saying is, is, is have we come to the point to where we have made Jesus to culture? Mm-hmm. Like, two culture quotes. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. is he too cool? Like, is it? Is it almost to the point to where it's too comfortable to have Jesus a part of your life in a title sense? What I mean by that is, is when I was growing up, what I had to deal with is if I wasn't having sex before marriage in high school, or um, if I wasn't getting involved in certain things, they'd say, oh, he loves Jesus. Like he's like, they'd make fun of the Christian Mm -hmm. kids and they would say, oh, he just loves Jesus. What I'm starting to hear now with teenagers though, is it's not, oh, he loves Jesus. It's he loves Jesus too much. Mm. So like, it's like that transition of, well, everybody loves quote unquote Jesus, but the ones who are really serious about them, they just love them too much. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we've began to see, and we're going to get into it. Like Kevin, Kevin, you have a hard on talking about the prosperity teaching and things like that. I think that's why we've really began to see really the, the comfortability in the homes of who Jesus is. And we've, mm-hmm. began, we've begun to see like the grace teaching and not the truth teaching. You know what I'm saying? Just like he's a gracious God. He's a loving God. He's a compassionate God. We don't hear much about the righteousness and the things yeah. like that. Like the call, the call to change is because I think we're living in a generation where we've gotten comfortable with the idea that, yeah, we, we need Jesus to get to heaven. Just so long as that same Jesus that's getting me to heaven doesn't tell me I need to change certain things that are causing me to live my heaven on earth right now type of thing. Right. And so. I just kind of went back in our sermon series with our youth, and we really just opened up week one with this, this main thought. Have we truly individually, I'm not talking churches, I'm not talking ministries, but have we truly seen with just us being normal lay people of the church, like, like reflect for a moment if you're listening here, have you truly seen growth in your relationship with Jesus? Have you mm. truly seen it? Because Jesus, the Jesus culture society that we're meant to raise up, because we should have a Jesus culture, but the society that we're meant to raise up is not one of being self-centered. In fact, Jesus approached the self-centered society when he came to earth. When he started his last three and a half years of his public ministry, it was coming at the self-centeredness of who we were as individuals. And so I think that what we can do is we can say as a culture, Kev, as a culture, like look at, and we don't really like to mix, you know, religion with politics, but let's just look at politics for a minute. Let's Mm -hmm. look at how churches have responded, how the, how the global church ultimately has responded to big ticket items, Mm -hmm. homosexuality, transgenderism, abortion, just to name a few, you know, those are some of them. How have some prominent voices responded to those? And then let's take a look at the pandemic itself and how 
uh, lay people in the church have responded to the pandemic. And as a staff, we just talked about how a significant number, and it's affecting churches now, a significant number of regular attenders in the church, because of the pandemic, they've not only stopped coming to church physically, they won't even go online anymore. They're Mm. not going at all. Mm. And what it alludes to is that we have a culture of people who are connected to a program. They're not connected to people. And I think the reason that we're seeing this Jesus culture take place where it's, we love the idea of Jesus, like we're getting to accept the idea of Jesus, but we just don't love the idea of Jesus going beyond the surface with us. I think it's because we are connected to a program. We're connected to a feel good program that -hmm. we're like, yes, that message that pertains to me. I love it. it. It wasn't too invasive type. The, the not-too-invasive type of ministries that we're seeing globally happen, I think, are raising up a culture that says, hey, as long as it feels good, as long as it's about the grace of Jesus, as long as I'm not being told that what I'm doing is wrong, I will accept Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think, that, I think that's a topic that we need to hit today, Kev. I just think that we've got, we've got a, a greater pandemic going on, and I think it's, it, it can be the agenda of the enemy to say, hey, listen, and it's not so much about not believing that Jesus is real or not real or your savior. It's, it's more so about you just not allowing him to move into your life the way that he needs to. And, you know, we talked to, on one of our shows, a guy who said like it, it bothered him when he heard it, but it was almost like, you know, when he's talking about Sodom and Gomorrah and he's talking about like greater, worse is it going to be for those who saw and didn't believe, who seen all yeah. these things and didn't believe and it's going to be for those who just didn't know. I think that could be a very big tactic of the enemy of like, hey, yeah, you know how powerful Jesus is, but if you just don't want to let him go that far and you don't want to go that far in your belief, it's okay. And that's Mm. a serious place that we're in. And so I just wanted to talk about that today and kind of get into that. So let me ask you a question. Do you think, honestly, do you think after kind of hearing just where we're going, do you think that we have gotten too comfortable as a society with the idea of who this person of Jesus is? Yeah, absolutely. Jesus right now, I mean, it's trendy, right? That it's that's, a, that's it, exactly it. It's, you know, it's a like you say Jesus culture. It's, you know, Jesus is trending. And I think what we have to understand is when we're in circles, so we're in churches, we're around our family, if we grew up in a Christian home, even if we didn't, if we're in youth groups, young adult groups, small groups, all that kind of stuff, you know, Jesus is trendy, right? It, it's mm-hmm. cool to talk about Jesus and what he does and what he can do. You know, we talk a lot about how powerful he is. But if you look at the church world just in general, we haven't grown. Like we're not growing. Right. You know, we're we're getting bigger in size in some instances. We're mm-hmm. becoming more innovative. Mm-hmm. It, you know, we're breaking into more progressive mediums of getting the message out there. So by using social media and, you know, uh, TV, you know, satellite campuses, all these cool things that we're doing. And I think sometimes we get mixed up in that and we think that that's growth. We think that we're moving forward, but there's a difference between moving forward and being progressive in in a worldly sense, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I've got satellite churches now. Now I've got, you know, I can reach millions of people on Twitter. Well, that's great. But are those people growing? Are they, you know, and, and, and I don't believe I, I truly, this is a passion issue of mine. And if you, if, if anybody knows me well, they know this is my desire is to help bring back, bring the church back into alignment where the church belongs. So it could be that powerful force 
in society that we know the church can be? Why is it that the church is bowing to the world? Why is it that we're the ones that are the underdogs when we have so much at our disposal to be able to, I mean, Jesus, when Jesus left and he said, go make disciples, I mean, he didn't say that because he was hoping that happened. Mm -hmm. He didn't say that because he's hoping, well, I hope this thing works when I leave. No, he gave us the same spirit that he had and said, hey, I want you to go duplicate yourself in the world, in the, or in the earth, right? That like, and so it's, it saddens me that the church is not as prominent and it's not as powerful as the church should be. Yeah, and this isn't an assumption. So I don't I don't want like if you're listening, we're going to get into what your Jesus culture looks like, just so you yeah. guys know. We're just trying to overview this for you right now because as ministers of the gospel, we've seen it firsthand. We know yep. it because we're behind the eight ball as churches in some topics because I mean, just to be humble about it, we've just refused to approach certain topics for such a long time because we don't want to offend. And you're going to find out today in this topic, like, listen, Jesus didn't try to offend, but the, the truth is going to offend. Um, it just is. On his way to the cross, his words offended people. And so we just have to understand, we got to learn how to navigate that as communicators. However, as individuals, I want to ask you this question. What does your growth plan look like when it comes to Jesus, with your relationship with Jesus? And let me just kind of explain this for you. Life itself requires a growth plan. Yep. If you haven't had children yet, let me explain to you the process of what it looks like now. From before, from even before that child is born, they are already monitoring vitals. They're already monitoring growth rates for the child, making sure there's no deficiencies. If there are, well, then we've got to prepare for that kind of stuff. There's got to be some sort of growth plan. And so once your child is born, almost immediately you're met with a pediatrician. If you, it's almost like law. Like if you don't have a pediatrician, one will be assigned to you. You know what I'm saying? Like in the hospital, right. like, you know what I'm saying? And so, so like we met a pediatrician because we didn't have one yet. We met a guy in the hospital and he set our daughters up on, like when, when McKenna was born, he set her up on a growth plan. We ended up not going with him. But however, upon the first pediatrician visit, you're given a packet of what the next 12 months should look like. Yep. They're telling you because of the weight, because they're going to take the weight of the baby, the, the height of the baby, the, the size of the head, the, you know, the, the length of the arms, and they're going to check the mobility. Once they figure out how that baby's operating and wh what they're like, they're going to set your child up on a growth plan. Here's how much milk they should be eating a day. Here's how many times they should be going to the bathroom a day. Like, here's, here's what you should see. Then six months, you'll have your checkup and they reevaluate your child and then they, they help you out, you know. A year, two years go down a road, and now you're talking about what kind of solid foods should your baby be eating. And so there's this growth plan that's constantly given to you because there's an expectation given to the parents on how their child should grow. And yeah. in your relationship with Jesus, in your relationship with your father, there's an expectation from your infancy stage of Christianity to your adult maturityhood in Christianity. There's an expectation of how you should grow. And perhaps that's, these are one of the things that we're missing in the church culture when it comes to Jesus culture is we're preaching popular topics and we're preaching great titles and we're preaching great messages, but we're not leading our people into growth when yeah. it comes to Jesus Christ. We're yeah. not leading them into the discipline of having a relationship with Jesus. I can preach on anxiety for a month, but getting over anxiety, is that going to help in my relationship with Jesus or will... Helping me in my relationship with Jesus also helped me get over my anxiety. 
You kind of get what I'm saying here? Yes. And for a long time, I think we're trying to preach big ticket items, which is perfectly fine. We should discuss those things. But I think if we don't validate who our authority is, if we don't let people know like, hey, Jesus is not only the author of your life, but the author, the one who wrote your life, chose to enter his own story and come into your life. Like if we don't put that down as a foundation as ministers and as people who are are leading people, then it's going to be hard to preach people and teach them how to get through things like suicide, suicidal thoughts, self-harm, anxiety, depression, because they don't know that authority yet, nor do they understand the authority of Jesus in their life. And so what I, that's what I feel like we're seeing in our culture, is we're seeing a culture of Christianity where it's like, yeah, I understand the big ticket items, I'm just not seeing freedom in it, and I, think, I don't think I'll ever see freedom in it. I don't think that has to be the answer for everybody. I just think what we're seeing right now is that we're missing the discipline of growing in Jesus. And so we put my daughters on this growth plan and Blakely, both my daughters were small, Kev, but Blakely just wasn't growing at the rate. The doctor would pull up the growth chart. Both my daughters were slow, but Blakely literally stayed within like the two percentile. Like they're Mm. like, here's where the average kid is. And then here's where your kid is. So what we did is we had to supplement her food. We had to get her Pediasure. We had to get her more carbs, more sugar, kind of everything in her diet because I had to learn as a father what I needed to do to set my kids up for success. That's right. And I believe that's the heart of who God is. Yeah. He's like, look, it's not going to be easy because now Blakely's eating things she doesn't want to eat. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. she doesn't want to eat that many times a day or she doesn't want to eat certain things. Well, because I'm a loving father, I have to teach her what's right or what's wrong. And so what I learned, though, as a father is that they had to desire what we as parents were offering them. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. in your relationship with Jesus, it's not going to be Skittles and like cotton candy. Like you're going to have to desire what God wants to instill inside of your life in order for you to grow, because he knows the growth plan. He mm-hmm. knows where you're at on the chart and he knows where you've got to get to and what amount of time. And so what I learned is like, Certain plans worked for Blakely that didn't work for McKenna. McKenna would barely eat anything, and, and she spent a lot of time in timeout because she would just throw a fit whenever we try to get her to do something. And to this day, McKenna will, I will find her gummy vitamins, like they were sucked on, but then they were spit out somewhere in the house. <laughs> because the gummy vitamins have sugar on them. Yeah. Right? Yep. They, they taste good for a little bit, mm-hmm. and then they're like, nah, I'm just, they're not good anymore. And I find them in her cup holders in her car seat, and... We have, Kevin, we have a society of Christians, and I've been like this, so I understand what it's like. We chew on God's word up until the point it starts to taste nasty. Yep. And then we yep. find our own little cup holder to spit it out and then say, I'll get to that part later. Yep. And mm-hmm. so in your relationship with Jesus, we've got to get to a point where like, listen, this growth plan isn't always going to be sugar. Like it's going to taste nasty at times, but I can trust that it's going to happen. And then with Blakely, like Blakely's literally a freak of nature. I believe it. Like she's crazy. I was having uh, Cheetos, jalapeno Cheetos. I love spicy food. And one of my get out of jail free cards is when the kids come up, because anytime you're eating something, your kids want it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, no, it's spicy. You don't want this. And they'll walk away. Well, now I likely caught on to it. And I'm like, she's like, yeah, what is that? And I'm like, oh, it's spicy. She's like, spicy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's spicy. It's like, it's yucky. So yeah, it's yucky. She's like, I want some. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, well, I'm going to teach her. So I give her, I give her this hot Cheeto, right? I give it to her and she chews on it and she sticks her tongue out. And she's like, hot, hot. Mm. 
mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's high. Go get some water. And she said, uh-uh. Sticks her hand out. She wants another one. Mm. She single-handedly helped me eat the whole bag of jalapeno Cheetos. Oh. With t- no water. Even though it hurt her. <laughs> right. Even though even though it was spicy and it was probably yucky to her. You want to know why she wanted it? Mm. It's because it was in her dad's hands. That's right. Yep. And just to make it simple for you guys, man, what we have to learn is this pursuit of holiness, like this pursuit of getting to be more like Jesus, it's not about what we want. It's not yes. about being in a self-centered uh, society. It's not about what can God do for me. Mm-hmm. It's how can God make me more like him? Because you will genuinely become happier when you do. But it's going to take you saying whatever it is that he has for me. I want mm-hmm. it. If it's spicy, I want it. If it's yucky, I want it. If it's not going to sit well with me for a while, I want it. Why? Because it's in my father's hands. And if it's in my father's hands, and if it's good enough to be in his book, then it's good enough to be in my life. And just to give you an example, Jesus was crucified because he came down and he fed people what they didn't want. And if you follow his ministry, uh, just so you know, only four chapters in the New Testament cover the first 30 years of his life. Yep. 85 chapters of the gospel cover the last three and a half years of Jesus' life. There's a reason for it. Yeah. Because they want, I believe the authors of those gospels wanted us to see how he approached people and approached situations in his ministry. So we knew how to do that. And, yeah. and it says that thousands of people would follow him while he taught. They followed him because he fed food. I mean, they followed him. And then he would start preaching things like, in order for you to enter the kingdom of heaven, you are going to have to deny yourself, pick up your cross. Uh, you are going to have to eat my body and drink my blood. Like he was, he yes. was talking some different yes. type of food to them. Yep. It was no longer multiplying fish and loaves. Now it was, you're going to have to eat my body. You're going to have right. to drink my blood. And it says, literally, it says in John 6 that the multitude turned from him. Yes. And yep. when that happened, it didn't say... And then Jesus ran down from the hill and said, okay, guys, what did I say that you didn't like? What, what, what do I need to take back so you can follow me? It didn't say that. It said Jesus looked to the people who stayed and said, are you going to leave too? Yeah. Did I offend you too? It's not that Jesus didn't care about them, and it's not that Jesus doesn't love you. It's that Jesus loves you so much that he's not going to change his word to make you feel happy. He came to seek and save the lost. He knew that he was on his way to the cross, so he was already showing love and compassion. But now he's got to preach. He can't just show the grace. He's got to preach the truth at the same time. And so he came. And guys, what what got him crucified is that he came and taught to a Jewish people that were hoping that he was going to get them out from underneath Roman rule. Yeah, They thought this Messiah was going to build the Jewish empire. They thought the Messiah was going to bring the Israelites back back to prominence. And instead he said, no, you're actually going to have to take another step back. You're going to have to learn how to serve the Roman Empire and do it in a way that shows my love. In fact, I'm not here to build your kingdom. I'm here to build my father's kingdom. And on doing so, I'm going to have to die for you on this cross. And they hated that. And guess what they did? They assisted in him dying on a cross. And so I don't think that what we're facing today, after I say all that, Kevin, I'll let you talk. No, no, you're good. Preacher mode here. Yeah. I don't think that what we're experiencing today is anything new. No. I just think what not. you said is true. I think we've just found the new lights. We found the new media outlets. We found even more great communicators. You know, we've got yeah. a great style. I mean, we've got Justin Bieber's of the world that are finding a fit in a church, and that's great. But again, there's got to be a growth plan. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, there's got to be right. a, hey, I come to the knowledge of Jesus, but this is what the knowledge of Jesus has now done to me. Yeah. Because the truth be told, you think about Zacchaeus' story. 
the most hated man in Jericho, what I think, mm-hmm. stole from people. And they see Jesus dine with him, right? Mm-hmm. And they say, how is he going to go and associate with a sinner? Revelation 3.20 gives this illustration. Hey, I stand and knock at the door. Whoever answers, if, I, if you answer, I'll come in and I'll dine with you and I'll build a friendship with you. What he was doing with Zacchaeus, which was one of the most notorious sinners in the, in the town, he was mm-hmm. saying, I want to associate myself with you. You know what I'm saying? He was saying, mm-hmm. you don't have to get it together first. But then what happens in that dinner? Is he says, Lord, I've robbed from people. I've wronged people. I have funded the murder of my own people. Yeah. And so when I leave here, I'm not just going to make it right, but I'm going to give back four times the amount. Yeah. The law then wasn't that. The law was you give back 100% of what you stole plus 20%. Right. So his math was, the, the math of the law was, if I stole $100 from you, Kev, I gave you 100 and I gave you 20 bucks to say mm-hmm. sorry. He mm-hmm. was saying, listen, if I stole 100 from you, I'm going to give you $500. Yeah. What he was showing there was, listen, I, I had an encounter with the person of Jesus to the point to where I'm not going to be the same and things yeah. are going to change. Mm-hmm. And they're going to change to the point to where you understand it's not about rules and a system. It's about a relationship. And so even Zacchaeus, the most simple person in the world, Jesus told him, hey, you have shown yourself to be a son of Abraham. You have shown yourself to be a son of the father, but salvation has entered your house today. Well, yeah. who entered it? Jesus entered his house. Right, right. Salvation has a name, Jesus. And right. so I think as a culture, we're dealing with the same thing they were dealing with then. We just have to get better at figuring out, hey, are we really going to accept this salvation that we have? Like, God's already accepted us, but are we going to accept his salvation? And in accepting his salvation, are we going to get on this growth plan? Yeah. You know, the scripture came to mind when you were talking, and uh, it's in Hebrews 5, starting in verse 12. It says, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, and I'm reading from the NIV, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need yeah. milk, not solid yeah. food. Yeah. Verse 13 says, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. Verse 14 says, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And so it, it's so true. Like, even, you know, as you were talking about your, your daughter's I was thinking about my dog, right? Yeah. So like yeah. even my dog is on a growth plan. Uh yep. he is set up with the vet, uh, the uh, the vet. You know, we pay monthly for him to go in, he gets all his shots, he gets making sure his weight's good. We make I mean, we do this in every other area of our lives. Mm-hmm. Yep. But when it comes to our relationship with God, and I, and I would venture to say that if if anybody out there if you're bored with your relationship with God, if mm-hmm. you're if it's just a religious thing where you just kind of check the box, it's pretty safe to say that you're not growing. Right. And if you're bored with your relationship with God, it's because you're not growing. You right. know, your relationship again, he's not an add-on. He's not something that we just bring along in our luggage in case we need him. Like it, he's he's literally the air we breathe. And so, you know, we have to be on a constant path of growth, you know, and, and you know, when, when Kyle was talking about um, Jesus, when he was talking to the multitudes and some of them were leaving and they were going other places. And I, I, that's one of my, like, I love that scripture because when he said, you, you ought to eat my flesh and drink my blood, 
in the King James Version, it says, this is, you know, they, they looked at him and said, this is a hard saying. Who yes. can hear this? Right? You know, and, and there is a one point where he looked at his disciples and he says, will you also go away? Like yep. what, you know, are, are you know, and, 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 and here's what we have to look at. I mean, even as pastors, I mean, think about it. If a bunch of people start leaving your church, what's the first thing that you're going to do? You're going to have started having strategy meetings on why, what's going on. You know, is there a, is there a trend out there? What, what are people saying? What yep. you're going to get yep. your leaders together. You're going to call other pastors. You're going to call people that, that, that cover you and ask them. Like Jesus didn't care about any of that. He's like, listen, here's the truth. And the best love that I can give you is to give you the truth. If you don't want to hear the truth, I'm not going to chase after you and, and cram it down your throat. Right. You have to want the truth. You have to right. want to grow. And he pretty much looked at his board of elders, if, if you will, and said, will you also go away? Like, I mean, he just basically looked at his, his, his uh, executive pastors, deacon board, whoever, his treasurer, right? You know, because yes. Judas was there. He looked at everybody and said, yes. will you also go away? Right. And so, you know, we have to have people who turn around and say, no, 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 no. I'm not going anywhere. What I'm hearing is Christ, the yep. son of the living God. Yeah. My, you know, everything that I need is what you're saying. But, you know, are we training people, though, truly? Because if we're like, like Kyle was saying, if we're hitting the big topics, and we're not really delving into people growing, they're only going to they're only going to do what we give them an example of, right? So if if Kyle doesn't pay attention to the growth plan that the doctor is saying that he should have for his girls, his girls still would be undernourished or malnourished yep. or not grow yep. the way that they should. Like there are steps here. Right. So first, the pastor has to be concerned about your growth, not about your entertainment, not about how much you, you know, what's, you know, and there's going to be times that God is going to prompt you to preach things that you don't want to preach. Right. He's going to because the people need it. Right. Yep. So that they can grow. Right. Yep. But then at but then just like uh, Kyle was talking about his daughter spitting out the the, the vitamins. Right. At some point, you have to take that as well. So if, if your pastor say, hey, here's what I'm feeding you so you can grow, you then have to take that and say, ooh, I don't like this, but I know it's good for me, right? And, and that, that is what sets up a powerful church because that's a church that'll stand up and say no to sin. That's a church that'll stand up and actually know the word of God, believe God, you don't have the faith that it takes to see God do amazing things, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think, Kyle, you hit on so many good points, man. But I, I think that's where we are as a, as a church body is that we're, we, we love trendy Jesus. We do. Uh, we do. We love, you know, and we fall in love with that. And, and, yeah. it, and I think I've always thought if people love the idea of Jesus— they love the idea of peace in their life and and uh, freedom and he that the love that he showed like all these things we we love the idea of Jesus but do we actually love 
Jesus. Paul said that I may know you, and we know that know is intimately. So to intimately know you in the power of your resurrection, but also it says in the fellowship of your suffering. Yeah. Right? So are mm-hmm. we denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following him each each day? Yeah. And, you know, it, it's a cho- I love that you say it's a choice because what I've had to learn just in my new role here is I don't think I can preach the big topics until yeah. I lay the foundation. And, and I've seen it. I've seen the change happen when, when you can have students that are recognizing the truth of who Jesus is in their life. And they're having to come first and foremost and make that decision like, yes, no. You know what I'm saying? Like the Bible talks in Luke 18 about a rich young ruler yep. who asked, how do I inherit the kingdom of heaven? And then Jesus pretty much told him, sell all your stuff, you know, and yep. follow me. And he said, the Bible says that he walked away sorrowful. He denied mm-hmm. that. And then what do we see in Luke 19? Zacchaeus, who yeah. is another rich ruler. Yeah. And what this is, and he accepts Jesus and he hears the word salvation has come to your house today. And what we see there is a depiction of same type of lifestyle. One says no, the other says, what we're seeing is, is listen, God accepted both from the start. Like he said, listen, I'm accepting you in your sin, but in order to get over this, you're going to have to accept my free gift of salvation. And if you can do that, which I think is perfectly awesome because Jesus had yet, he hadn't died yet. Mm-hmm. And he says, salvation has come to your house. Why? Because in that last week with Zacchaeus, he was on his way to Jerusalem. He was on his way to become salvation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and here he is saying, here I am on my way to die for you, but I stopped at your house first. Yes. Like, it's just a crazy picture of how <laughs> compassionate Jesus is. Yeah. But in the same token, if you're going to have the reality of who Jesus is in your life, no preacher has to do it for you. You're going to encounter the person of Jesus. You're going to then encounter salvation, which is then going to require you to change the things in your life. I don't have to do that. Like I can't physically do that for our teenagers. And so I can't just go up there and say, I'm going to preach about anxiety today. And what I say and what the word says is going to change them. No, that's the word will. But what's going to need to happen is they're going to have to understand the reality of who Jesus is. That's right. What the reality of their salvation in him is going to require. Yes. And then when they have that power, they have that educated knowledge then what you preach about anxiety will only be life transforming That's because right. now they understand the author that wrote those verses is also the author over their life. Yeah. And the thing is, is for so long, I've done it. I've done series on sex before like purity series and I've done series on depression and I've done all this identity series. And I'm like, but I never offered them the fact that Jesus was their author first. Yeah. Like not even hitting on the topic, just hitting on, Hey, is Jesus the author of your life? You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so, what we do now is we set our we set our people up for a choice of, are you going to choose this? And and it reminds me of the flexitarian Christian story that we were talking about. Yeah, there is literally a flexitarian group out there that says, "Listen, we're not vegetarian, but we're going to be as vegetarian as possible. But since we're not fully vegetarian, we can't take the vegetarian name because we made those people mad. So now what we do we call ourselves flexitarians because we don't want to eat meat. But if we go to a wedding and all they're serving is meat, then I'm going to eat meat or I don't want to eat meat, but if I have a hankering for meat, then I'm just going to eat meat on a Wednesday. Mm. But then I'm going to go back to being my vegetarian way. So we're just flexitarian. And I think what we've allowed, even in in some of our leadership, is listen, I'm just going to be flexitarian on this. 
mm-hmm. like around a certain type of people, I'm going to believe this part of the word of God. But then around another part of people, I'm going to digest it a different way. And so even though I'm a Christian, I'm more of a flexitarian Christian. And what that's allowed the enemy to do was take what was really originally made for battle and turn it into entertainment. Yeah. And, and there's a story um, in the 1940s, and I told our teenagers this, I just think it's powerful. Francis Gibbs was uh, tasked with building the biggest, baddest warship in the history of the U.S. And I got this story from um, Victory Church in Tulsa. Uh, Paul Daugherty, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of him. Um, I love listening to his messages, but he's just a young pastor who's, he's, the world was against him when he first started, took over for his dad. He was too young. He's too prideful and, and he covers all. So I love listening because he's just so humble. Mm. And I just, so he, he tells this story of how this Francis Gibbs, this guy was directed in 1940s to build an $80 million warship. It was going to carry jets, tanks, helicopters. It was going to carry over 15,000 troops and it was meant to be the fastest and the most efficient ship in all the world. Uh, it could go over 10,000 miles without needing to refuel. Mm-hmm. Um, or, so what it was originally created to do was deploy troops, because what we've always been about was creating democracy in other places. So yeah. you go into a communist nation or you go into a nation that's having civil unrest, and you're trying to make a change there yep. in that nation. Well... Over the span of that decade, it started to become used more for luxury. And mm-hmm. so presidents would, would ride on it and they would bring their celebrity friends that would bring their friends and they would have these, these huge parties on it. And so it actually ended up not carrying jets or helicopters or troops, but what it started carrying was three bars, five pools, two movie theaters, 19 elevators, and it only housed up to 2,000 patrons instead of 15,000 because they turned the bunks into luxury suites. Mm-hmm. And so now we have a ship that's out there, and instead of it going around creating change in the world, it's actually entertaining the world. Mm. And, and I just think it was a powerful story of what was meant to create change was transformed to entertain. And I think in our Christian lifestyles, if we're not careful, what was meant, because our story should be a ministry in itself. Yeah. The way that Jesus transforms our life should be our ministry to those that are watching. Yeah. When Zacchaeus left his home, he, he entered it with Jesus. He was known as someone who stole from people. Yep. When he left, he was now known as someone who gave back four times the amount that was even required to give back. Yeah. There was a ministry in his mess. Yeah. And I think if we're not careful enough, our mess can remain our mess and it can ruin our ministry. That's right. And what it is, is now our mess and our ministry become this entertainment for the world to see. And we're telling, unfortunately, the celebrities of the world that, hey, you can believe in Jesus, but still keep your lifestyle. And that's what we're seeing. And it's, it's, it's creating this Jesus culture. And it's creating this, like you said, it, this Jesus, would you say it? Trendy Jesus. We're creating a trendy Jesus. And, 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 and as much as I would love for Jesus to be trendy, I would love it in a genuine form. He couldn't even make that happen. He would never, that could never happen. You, right. There's no way, G, like, you know, he, Jesus said, I've come to divide a son against a father, a mother against a daughter, right? He, he, he said, that's you know, hard teaching. That's it hard is. Teaching. It's hard teaching. You know, he, he said, I come to, you know, people think, you know, and yes, is there a side of Jesus that's grace and loving and all of that? Yes. Yep. But there is a side that's a sword, 
right? Like it, the, the, the word of God itself, the Bible describes itself as a sword, like a double edged sword. So like, you're not getting, you're not going to get by without getting cut. Like it's so, something, if you sit in church every Sunday morning and you are not angry at some point, you're not mm-hmm. upset, you're mm-hmm. not bothered, you're not convicted, mm-hmm. you're not, I mean, it's a strong language, you, but you might be in the wrong church. Either you're in the wrong church or your conscience has been seared. Like, there is no way, like, and I don't care who you are, I don't care if you've passed your churches, I don't care if you've, you're a prophet so-and-so, apostle so it doesn't matter. Hmm. When the word of God is preached, it will convict you. Yeah. And that's what I, when I, when I look for Because a it's church, meant for growth. Absolutely. When I look, yeah. when I look for churches, I'm looking for, for churches where, where when the pastor preaches, it convicts me to where I leave a little bit shorter than what I came. I might've came in at 510, but I realize that standing before a holy God, I'm about one inch. Like, you know, and, yeah. and, and it doesn't mean that it's condemning, but right. what it nope, means nope. is it's putting God in his proper place. It's truth. It's truth. It's, it's grace truth. and truth. It's not just grace or it's not just truth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you hit on a good point. I mean, it's got to come from the leadership first and foremost. Yeah. But in the same token, that could be what's happening at your church, and you're just not in the expectancy for it. I mean, right. in Mark 6... It talks about how like Jesus just left the part of a country where he was performing miracles left and right. Yep. Boom. Healing healing a woman with a blood disease and preaching preaching his word and then he enters back into his hometown. Yeah. Right? Yep. And he tries to do the same thing and the people were offended. Yeah. Because this is the truth here is we have churches like that that will preach the word in his entirety. Mm-hmm. Hey, this gracious loving God who's already accepted you wants to come in and, and doesn't need you to fix everything right away, but he's going to require you to fix some things because he's also a righteous God. Yeah. Will offend people. Yeah. And it's because of this trendy Jesus. Jesus was trendy in his hometown. Yeah. And they were offended and they were like, how is he going to teach us this? We've known him since he's been a little boy. Isn't that the brother of, or isn't that the son of Joseph, the son of Mary? Isn't that the brother of J? And they, they rattle off these things and it yep. says he could do no miracles there. And I really think it's, it's, there's a point of our familiarity can kill our desperation. Yeah. So when we allow Jesus to become too trendy, it gets too comfortable. Yeah. It kills our desperation. And the desperation and the expectancy is what actually invites Jesus to be his realest form in our lives. And so I really think their familiarity with Jesus in that verse killed their desperation, which killed his opportunity to do anything. Yeah. And I'm saying, not that he, I mean, he's God, right? Like, he could have just been like, turn you into a frog. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, yeah. <laughs> he could do whatever he wanted to do. But he's not going to force it. You know what I'm right. saying? Because the authenticity just isn't there. And so, guys, that, that, that's the, the meat and potatoes of what this conversation is. Is Listen, we all get there. I've gotten there. Where I've just been like, I've had to check myself and been like, Jesus is way too trendy in this area of my life. This arena of my life is just a Jesus fan. Like, yeah, I need to get beyond that. There's still areas of my life where I'm like, is what Jesus teaching on this topic, is he just too trendy? Or am I being very sincere and I'm allowing him to be that authority in my life? Just for example, in my marriage, like 
Brooke hates the way I used to joke. I am I compromised over jokes. I would if I could get a laugh out of somebody, I would say it. And she was like, but that isn't like the word of God literally talks about your speech, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't cussing or anything, but Yeah. But sometimes you can make a lewd joke. Yeah. And you're like, well, it's around family. And she's like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, and I literally, that is literally an area of my life where I'm like, God's he's got to take authority over this. Yeah. Because I know what God's saying about it, but I'm more of like a trendy Jesus in that area than a, you know, he's the authority of over, even over how I'm supposed to re- respond to people and talk to people. And so, guys, we're, I'm not preaching this at you. Uh, this yeah. is something that we're dealing with in our lives oh, even to this ab- day. Absolutely. Absolutely, Kyle. And I think there's two two important points to make here. <clears throat> I think one of them is self-help. There is a lot of, and I think where Jesus becomes trendy and he becomes yep. less yep. powerful in people's life is the whole self-help genre. I mean, even a lot of the Christian books now have become, how can you become a better you? How, you know, bringing your, your authentic self you know, and yes. one thing our pastor says that I absolutely love that he says all the time, he says, if we could fix ourselves, we would have already done that, right? Like, yep. we can't fix ourselves. Like, yep. there, there's no amount of books you can read. There is not, there's no amount of personality tests, like en- mm-hmm. Enneagrams or discs or anything like that that you can take that's going to cause you to be able to fix yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. there's not even an amount of counseling that's going to help yeah. you to fix yourself, right? Now, all of these right. things are good. You should go to counseling if you need it, right? You should read books in areas that can supplement your relationship with God, but it should yeah. not be your relationship. I mean, there are people reading books and not the Bible, right? Nope. You know, well, how to get, how to, how to conquer fear. Well, that's great. Read all the books you want, but I will tell you, a book is only going to supplement and complement the word of God. You have to dig in and you have to trust God to get yeah. fear out of your life. I mean, whatever the, you know, who, whatever the situation is, it is super important that we don't get stuck in this self-help because that's very trendy right now. Like the mm-hmm. self-help section is just huge. How to get rich, how to lose weight how to be a better mom, how to be like, it's all in the Bible (laughs) and it's all in growing in a relationship with Jesus. And again, we are not saying that book. I love, I'm a, I am a book reader. I read a ton of books, right? So I am not saying that that's, you know, that you shouldn't do that. What I'm saying is books should never come before the word of God. You know, books should never come before your own personal pathway to growth. Now, those books can help on your your growth path. You know, when I was dealing with clinical anxiety, one of the books I read was Fearless by Max Licato, one of the best books I've ever read in my life. And it really helped me on my journey. But it wasn't the book that transformed me. It was God, you yeah. know? And so we, so I think that's something. So if, if you want to grow, grow with God, not trying to grow yourself by yourself. It's impossible. It won't happen. The other area is, you know, kind of the self-centered gospel, right? It's this, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's all about me. It's God wants me to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. God wants me, you know, everything's for me. I'm going to give so I can get something back. 
I'm going to, you know, uh, I, I'm everything's for me, you know, and I will tell you, and I, I'm probably going to get in trouble with some people on, on this topic, and we're going to flush this topic out in it like really well one day. Um, oh boy, this is a passion issue of mine. One of the most dangerous teachings in the church today. Insert the organ. <laughs> is the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. And it, yeah. And if you don't understand what that is, I'm going to give you a very brief synopsis of what that is. Health, wealth, prosperity teachers teach that faith, like if you have enough faith, you can do anything, right? You can get rich. You can have all the health you need. You can speak and things are just going to happen. I mean, it doesn't matter as long as you have enough faith. Here's the problem. Faith is only as good as the object in which it is placed. Mm. You can't have faith in faith. Your faith has to be put in something, right? I can, you know, I can look at a broken chair all day and say, I have faith. I'm going to speak faith that this thing is going to hold me up. I promise you, when I set my, <laughs> my, my plump behind down on that chair, I don't care how much faith I have in faith. It's not going to hold me up. That chair is not going to, why? Because the chair is broken. Well, I can't put my faith in faith. I have to put my faith in a chair that's been proven to hold the weight that I carry, right? Yeah. So it's the yeah. same thing with God. You can't, yeah. you can't say, well, you know, as long as I have enough faith, I'm going to get healed. As long as I have enough faith and I speak it, it's going to happen. You know, one of the, one of the, the scriptures that people use all the time is it says, you know, and they say it this way. They said, we are to speak those things as not as though they were. I may or may not have used this verse out of context a few times. <laughs> well, I, I did too, brother. I mean, when Dude, I, I was, I cringe at the thought of it now. Early in my ministry. Oh, this was me. So everything that I'm talking about, guys, just, just know that early in my ministry, this was me all day. Right. I, I prayed it over people. Oh. Like, I've literally been like, and the word of God says, and I'm like, yeah, it says that, but I'll make sure that it, yeah. it may not have been saying it the way I said it, but exactly. I mean, I could have oh. been on, I could have been on TBN with one of the King chairs. Like, I mean, I, I could have did the whole thing, man. Mm. Here, here's the thing. Notice what that scripture actually says. It says, God who speaks those things that be not as though they were. We are not speaking anything. God speaks. So exactly. when, because here's the th here's the thing. If your words, when the Bible talks about your words have power, yes, your words have the life and death's in the power of the tongue. But when it talks about life and death in the power of the tongue, read the whole chapter. Right? Please. It is talking. It is talking about you know how we talk to others and how you know our speech and different things like that. It has nothing to do with speaking things in the, quote, atmosphere, in the sense of you can change things you know, by your words. Because if that was the case, and I've always asked people, why is it that you can't speak that you're just going to get a million dollars and it shows up? Because if that was the case, hey, I'd be doing that all day, right? I'd be filthy rich, but it doesn't work that way. I'd have hair. 
Right. <laughs> Me too, brother. Uh, yeah, we'd be speaking that every morning. I've got hair. Yeah. I, I decree and declare yeah. I have hair. Well, yeah. if I don't have hair, it doesn't matter how much I do that. It's based on the will of God. So, and it doesn't mean that God does not want us to be healed, right? He, he, he I believe he paid for that on the cross. But here's the thing. Everyone is going to die of something, right? There's nobody who lives 400 years. It just doesn't happen, right? So you're going to get healed of everything that you get until the thing that you you get before you die, right? Yeah. I mean, there, at some point, there is going to be... So when, when we talk about the self-centered gospel, it's me. You know, if I give to the church, you see these things on TV, guys, you know, and they say, well, if you give $500, God's going to give you 5000 If you give, sow a seed of 500 Giving is not for you to get something back. Giving is a condition of your heart. It is to obedience to God. God wants to see your obedience, right? And it may not come back in the form of money. It may come back in the form of health. It may come back in the form of you, you know, something totally different than money. You know, these are things, but these are things that have been taught by very well known celebrity pastors. That is, it is destroying the church because when someone gets cancer and they do die, then people go, but I prayed, I spoke over that person. That's my problem. It's like we're treating Jesus like the quarterback of a football team. When the team wins, it's the team's team's fault. When the team loses, it's the quarterback's fault. And when you're putting your faith in faith or you're putting your faith in what a pastor is saying and not in Jesus, and then all of a sudden it works out, and then, oh, well, my faith is great. But then when it doesn't work out, it's like, oh, Jesus is horrible. Exactly. Well, well your faith wasn't in him or his word. That's And so right. you can't blame him or his word. And, and it just bothers me when we see that happen. You, you had a good point. I'm sorry. You struck a chord with me. <laughs> no, you're, no, you're good, man. No, you can't have faith in faith. And when I was steeped into the health, wealth gospel, I did not understand the fundamental of faith and realize that people were putting faith in faith instead of faith in God. As soon as you put faith in God, everything is subject to his will. So when the the Bible says, another misquoted scripture is, if, you know, when you pray, you know, it, it says, ask what you will, and it shall be given to you, right? So you, you know, you, here's the problem. If you read that scripture, and because that scripture shows up more than one time in the, in the scripture, it says, according to his will. There is one portion there where it says, according to his will. Now, it doesn't say that in every single time it shows up in the Bible, but I think God would assume <laughs> that you know, as a Christian, that you're going to pray everything according to his will and his purposes, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, and so, you know, we are not to chase wealth. Like, should we invest? Absolutely. I invest. You know, I, I, I think it's, it's a thing you should do. You should invest. You should put money away, right? You should leave a legacy for your family. Yes, you should do that. But, you, the, you know, there's a book out that says, and, and I can't remember it word for word, but it basically says, God created you to be rich. Here's the problem. The scripture says, the poor you will always have with you. Here's how I've, I've taught people about this. Ask yourself is whatever you're believing, does it travel? Mm. Because if it doesn't travel, then it's not the gospel. So if you're telling a person, if they give $500, that God's going to bless them, like you just sow a seed. 
Well, go to Africa into the slums and tell people over in Africa that don't have two pennies to rub together. I want you to sow $500. And if you sow $500, you're going to be blessed. I'm sorry, but that gospel doesn't travel. Like the gospel is a gospel for all nations in all times in every culture. So if it does not travel, it is not the gospel, right? And so when we see these things, if God wants me to be healthy, God wants me to be wealthy, I will, I will never forget. I was sitting in church. Oh, this was a couple of years ago. And I, I just, I'm, I've not been a person who questioned God normally. Um, and I'm not saying that I'm great or anything like that. I just, I don't, I, un, I understand that God does what he wants for whatever reason he wants because he's sovereign. That that's the way I, I try to live my life, right? It doesn't mean that bad things haven't happened. And I, you know, it crushes me. Of course it does. But I decided to jump out of that box a couple of a couple of years ago. And I remember I was sitting in church and the pastor had brought up, he it was one of those services where he's like, Hey, you just want people to come if you want to get prayed for, if you want God to do things in your life, you know, just come up to the front. And I remember seeing this guy who sits, he always sits in the left front of the church. And he has a cane and he's kind of slumped over. He walks like he's very, he's very crippled. And I watch him walk to the altar, get prayed for. And I watched him walk back to his seat. And for the first time in my life that I can remember, maybe I've done it before. I, I questioned God. I said, God, I just don't understand why somebody like that goes to the altar. Your power is evident. It's here. But he walks back to his seat and he still is on the crutches. He still or, um, has a cane. He's still bent over. He's still, you know. And I remember God spoke to me as clearly clear as day. And he said, Kevin, there are people in this room that have way worse conditions that he has that you can't see that I need to address. I'm sitting there thinking, well, if this guy would just, you know, you know, be able to throw his cane down and and run across the stage, that'll show everybody that God is real. But what God was showing me that day is, Kevin, I'm not interested in, I mean, it doesn't mean that he doesn't heal physical things because he does, right? I've been miraculously healed before, so I know it happens. But he's getting at the heart issues, right? God would rather deliver you from pornography than to grow your leg out. God would rather would rather see you free from a homosexual lifestyle than for you to be able to get your eyesight back, right? The Bible even says it is better for you to go into heaven with one eye than to go into hell with two, right? Yeah. So it, again, the gospel is not about you. It's not about me. It's about God, right? Jesus is not trending on Twitter because he did a magic trick and healed somebody today. If Jesus never did anything else, he is still God. (laughs) So don't get caught up in the, well, I've got to see God do magic tricks. I got to go to one of those churches where they're going to signs, wonders, and miracles. That's all they talk about, signs, wonders, and miracles. That's great. But let me tell you something. God will move he doesn't have to, he's still going to be God, whether he does all those things or not. So whether you don't have money, whether you don't have good health, or whether you don't have this great prosperity, listen, grow with God, right? That's what, mm. that's what, uh, that's what God wants. And so ladies and gentlemen, Rev Kev, 
Oh, hot on the mic. Yeah, <laughs> I just, knew it. I we were talking before this, and I knew it. I told him we would banter back and forth. It's a different type of topic than we're new, we're used to. I knew I'd get that Pastor Kev out somehow, some way, so forth. <laughs> yeah. But listen, guys, thank you so much for for just joining us today and listening to us. And listen, we know that everybody's at at different stages in their walk with Jesus, and some of some of us aren't even in a stage there. And listen, if you're not, and you loved the conversation that we had today, and you want to know more about it, you want to know more about it, just the basics, like, hey, how do I even, how do I have a relationship with him? We are available on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, message us, ask us a question, ask us if you have questions about today, where maybe we didn't articulate well enough about something. Yeah. Thinking Out Loud podcast on Facebook, thinking underscore out loud on instagram and thinking out loud podcast on twitter we have a website thinkingoutloudmedia.com yeah we have a youtube page where you'll see this video you'll see us live in action i mean guys you're gonna hear us on and kevin will go through the different platforms but especially on the apple podcast make sure you rate and review us so other people yes. get to hear this too uh it really helps get our message out there and so Listen, again, if you want to talk more about this, this is right down our head. This is in our wheelhouse. This is what we love to talk about. So we would love to continue this conversation. Message us on any one of our, our social media outlets, and we'd love to get to know you and have these conversations. Yeah. And, you know, if you want, and like I said, we'll flush this out. I don't know when, when we'll flush some of the what <laughs> I was talking about out, but we will at some point. And I know there, it is so many people that steeped in the health wealth prosperity gospel type churches. And so you might just realize from this episode, hey, I'm in one of those churches. Listen, if you want more information on that, just message us on Facebook or Instagram or one of these places or, you know, thinking out loud podcast 20 at gmail.com and we can we can go there. But I, I do want to say that I am not a cessationist in the sense that I, I, I don't believe in miracle. I believe in healing. I believe that God does amazing things. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've had miraculous healing. Like I know that these things happen. So I want to be very yeah. clear. I am not saying that those things don't happen. I'm also not saying that people, that it, it's, you know, about wealth. I mean, wealth is great. You know, a lot of people in the Bible were we very wealthy. Abraham, Job, David, Solomon. I mean, the list goes on, right? So wealth is not a bad thing, but but when it becomes a self-centered thing about Jesus is for me to make my life good, well, unfortunately, that's just not true. That, that That's not the gospel. And so... So yeah, I mean, but if you have further questions about that, I'd be more than happy to reach out to you and we can have a discussion about it because it's a passion issue of mine because I really want to see you guys grow. But hey, you can catch us, Pandora, Amazon, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, TuneIn. I mean, you name it, we're there. Podchaser, all these places. So no matter what kind of phone you have, Android or Apple, you can reach us. So but hey, we want to hear from you guys and we thank you so much for listening today. And hey, have a great week. Yeah.